Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Slasher Scotty. I am your host, Scotty McCoy, and boy, do I have a surprise for all of you. I have on Zoom with me right now, Sean Thompson, and he is going to be playing Mark and Baghead in the upcoming The House That Eats Flesh, which I'm so proud to announce that I am the associate producer of. So I'm really excited uh, for this movie to come out, um, and I'm so glad I have Sean on my show. How you doing, Sean? I'm awesome, brother. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm so glad to have you on. I know we scheduled this a few months back. I mean, I'm booked all the way through June now. So, so a lot of my interviews I've been plugging. I, I mean, I'm months out now. So, and you were one of them. I think I've started promoting you probably back in I would say February, late February, early March. Yeah. Well, yeah, I saw your uh, schedule fill up quickly and moves forward, and I'm like, wow, he's yeah. already booked through uh, Q3 year, I believe. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so the first question I got for you, how did you get your start into That's acting? Um, well, let's you know take a step back. I'm in my real world. I'm a computer nerd. Um, so uh, very uh, as surprising as this sounds, very introverted. Don't really go out. I you know have my triple monitors here at my house, and I pretty much bury myself in those for twelve hours a day, <laughs> and don't speak to too many people very often. Um, Relatable. So, I relate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, you know. COVID happened and um, I'm, I'm in the medical industry. So I didn't get to take time off. We actually got more work because I'm in the medical industry. And, um, but since they, we had to start working from home, it opened up a lot of time where I wasn't commuting to work. Um, I started making Friday the 13th masks as a lot of people do. And that actually changed or altered a lot of my friends lists and Facebook groups and whatnot that I started connecting with. And then somebody, and I don't remember who it was initially, introduced me to the concept of a, uh, a fan film. I had never heard of this concept before, a fan film. And uh, then I heard that, you know, these are things that, you know, people do, you're excited about films. So I started watching some of them and then making Facebook friends with some of the people that are in some of them. And then uh, somebody said, are you interested in being a part of one? And I'm like, I'm not an actor. And they were like, <laughs> that's okay. You can audition for it. And we can put you in a, a role that's you know small role, limited visibility, so you can kind of get your feet wet, how you feel, those kind of things. And um, I said, you know what, that that's a dream come true right there. So I dove in at first, and it was amazing. And uh, <laughs> just been kind of doing it ever since. It's been an exciting adventure. Nice. nice. Which was that the was that Rose Blood or was that a different fan film you you started with? Roseblood. Roseblood. Yeah. So what was that yeah, experience Roseblood. like? It was neat. I didn't know how much was uh, went into making a movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, when you're watching a movie, obviously you have um, some semblance of behind the scenes in front of the scenes and those kind of things. And obviously, you know, there's a script mm -hmm. and, and whatnot, but um, being a part of that, even in the, uh, I was in, uh, I think four or five different small pieces of that film. Um, just being a part of that, realizing how much is involved. Um, when you get into, you know, obviously act, acting, my segment is between, you know, action and cut. And that's pretty much it. And realizing the breadth of what goes on beforehand and the enormity of what goes on afterwards, the post-production stuff, um, really opened my eyes to how amazing this industry is. It's not just... Uh, you know, 
beforehand, I thought the focus was, you know, the focus is on the actors. Those are the people that everybody sees. And I came to realize very, very quickly that the actors are part of it, but they, in, in relation to everything else that goes on, it just blew my mind. Um, I mean, yeah. unbelievable. The level of work on all different levels, on all parties, and uh, mad respect for everybody that is involved in any of these productions at any level. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's the thing with filmmaking. Like, everybody knows of the director from behind the scenes, the producers from behind the scenes, and the actors on the screen, but they don't realize that there's so much more than just that, and not just talking screenwriters and all that. There's gaffers and electricians and art, the art department and camera operators and boom mic operators. There's so many thorough levels of things from simple simply to that to catering to drivers people that commute and their job is simply pick people up at the airports like yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean that's that, that alone is like, there is somebody that literally picks you up at the airport make sure at the hotel make sure from the hotel over on set and coordinates mm-hmm. all that stuff it, it's yeah. phenomenal yeah it really and, is and without them you know and somebody could argue well, they're just driving a car. And I'm like, okay, well, you get 20 people, 30 people, 50 people on set, in yeah. set, without, without hesitation, without delay, because everybody needs somebody where they need to be exactly when yeah. they need to be there. Go. <laughs> yeah. It's not as easy as it sounds. Not at all. It really isn't. because I mean, no, it's no. just the fact that, like, even if you're just driving a car, you still have to pay for gas. And even if it's not your own money, the production money is going towards it. So it's, and gas isn't cheap, as we know nowadays. So it it, right. it really yep. is a it's really a job that's very important because without them, then we're not getting the actors to their hotels and to, to and from set, and we don't have a movie. And yeah. to, and again, props to because some of my flights. I mean, <laughs> I leave at seven o'clock in the morning means I got to get to the airport at five, which means yeah. somebody's purpose waking up at four o'clock in the or three thirty to o'clock at three o'clock in the morning to make sure. Are you up and awake at four so I can get you to the airport to make you sure you're home on time? Yeah. And obviously they can go to sleep, but somebody's literally getting up at three 30 in the morning to take me to an airport. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. That's crazy. It really is. It really is. And that is part of filmmaking. It's not uh, it's not a, this is I, I'm the lead role uh, and look at my ego type of right. thing. You leave your ego at the door. The project comes first. Everybody is equal. doesn't matter if you're the lead, if you're the director, or if you're just a caterer, you're all equal because you all have an aspect of getting this film made. And it's funny because I, I, you know, I take my scripts with me on set and I have them, everybody autograph them. And mm-hmm. um, I've had a couple sets that I've been on where I'll have literally everybody there autograph. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the makeup person's autographing and yeah. the hairstyle person's autographing and the person that's driving, you know, hey, you forgot to sign my thing. And they're like, I'm driving you to the airport. You want me to sign up? I'm like, yeah, you're instrumental right. on making sure that I got at home. I mean, yes. Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. I don't think. I don't think they realize how important they are to it, but I, I hope right. in, in something as um, probably seemingly insignificant as having them sign the front cover of my script alongside mm. with everybody that's in front of the scenes and the person yeah. that wrote the film, um, that they see it, if, if for nothing else, they see it in my eyes, they're equally as important. I mean, right. we couldn't do it without them. So Absolutely. God bless them all. Absolutely. So regarding uh, the house that eats flesh, um, how did you get your start into that into becoming Mark and Baghead? Yes. So um, I got on set and I was going to be Baghead. Mm -hmm. That was the role that I was going to be. 
And um, we came to find out that the, the person is fine, but they apparently had gotten COVID, so they couldn't fly in. Um, and like I said, they're fine, but that's good. Um, so uh, Josh uh, asked me, he said, you know, Baghead, you don't ever see his face ever because you're in a bag, you're in a burlap sack the entire mm -hmm. time. Would you like to be Mark too? And I'm like, hell yes, I want to be nice. anything. So I quickly <clears throat> grabbed a script, found out where Mark's lines were, started learning those as well because, uh, you know, Baghead doesn't have any lines. He just kills indiscriminately. Mm -hmm. So learn Mark's lines, look at the direction from their people there. And um, we just kind of went back and forth. And nice. there's a really, really cool sequence that we did where uh, I guess it's safe to say Baghead actually kills Mark. So we didn't we didn't do any stunt doubles we didn't do any fake people i actually got to kill myself on set which was kind of cool <laughs> that's, that's really fun actually that, that's really amazing yeah. now was there any yeah. type of green screen in order to make that happen no uh, what we did is we uh we shot a scene of me um as baghead taking somebody out and then in the way the sequence works um mark is coming through the back door so Baghead glances over and sees Mark and Mark sees him. And basically we shot the scene as Baghead where I, um, I draw a weapon and to mm -hmm. go kill Mark and basically hurl it across the room. So mm -hmm. we used a webcam to fly the knife like this and nice. gave it away. It's a knife. Fly it away like this. And then <laughs> on the other side of the fence, I literally, um, had a pair of shorts on baghead if you've seen the poster or you've seen the trailer baghead's wearing a, a, a michael myers looking blue jumpsuit along mm -hmm. on, on over top of a um a felt outfit um literally dropped that down below my waist put my mark outfit on above my waist and we filmed basically the knife catching me in the chest and me falling and dying facing backwards so nice. as i'm dying as Mark, I'm literally half dressed as Baghead, which is kind of comical. That's awesome. That's awesome. So can you give us a little backstory about Baghead or is that going too spoilerish? That is going to spoilerish. Okay. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think the best thing to do is catch the, um, catch the IMDb. It gives a little history of the house. Okay. And if you catch the trailer, the two may give you a little bit about it, but okay. not giving a bunch away. Okay. Okay. So speaking yeah. of the house that he's flushed, yeah, can you tell us? Go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying, and, and if you watch the trailer, I'm trying to think of the different components that are in the trailer. If you watch the trailer and really pay attention of the people in the trailer and their positions in the trailer, in different scenes in the trailer, you, you may be able to pick up on some stuff that I can't say, but you may be able to pick up on some stuff. Nice. Nice. So, everybody's like okay they're talking about the house that eats flesh what the heck is this movie can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about it what is the synopsis of this movie so <clears throat> so basically there's a house that's um basically built on the gates of hell okay mm -hmm. and the house is passed down from generation to generation right. and um the house needs to survive by i won't say eating flesh but basically mm -hmm. you sacrifice bodies to the house Anybody that goes into the house ultimately gets sacrificed to the house. Mm -hmm. So um, there is a uh, multi-generational facet to the movie. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I'm trying to. I want to give a little bit away without giving anything away. There's a multi general <laughs> facet to the movie, um, and in the generation that well, I span a couple of generations, but in in one of the main generations <laughs> that I'm in, um, a bunch of travelers come to the house, and um, let's just say Baghead unleashes hell. <laughs> okay. Nice, nice. Yeah. Nice. So what do you believe is the best part about filming The House That He's Flesh? And what do you believe is the worst? Um, honestly, the best part was just getting to know the people there in that particular film, as well as in a film called The Naughty List, which we filmed um, a few months ago. Mm-hmm. We all actually stayed in the house together. So the neat thing about that is, you know, a lot of the films that I've been in, you arrive you're reciting your lines in your corner kind of to yourself you get action you do your scene you get and that may be the first time you meet the person you're interacting with you say cut and that's pretty much your interactions with the person that's there so in those instances you don't really get to know the individual you get to know the character but you're not going to get to know the individual okay in, in the house in the house at each flesh and in the naughty list we actually stayed in the respective all of us well most of us stayed in the houses that we were filming in together mm-hmm. So we woke up, we had to schedule bathrooms, we had to schedule showers, we had to be ate together. Mm-hmm. You know, there obviously was not enough room to sleep. So some of us slept on the floor on air mattresses. Um, some people snored. So we got to have, you know, some bonding, uh, making fun of people snoring. Um, <laughs> and, you know, in, in those instances, that was the neatest part because in the filming of a film as an actor, if you're just there between the action and the cut, then the person that you're acting with is probably going to stay at a, I know them as an actor and that's cool, mm-hmm. but that's as, that's as far as as deep as we got. Right. In those two movies in particular, I consider those guys pretty much family because like mm-hmm. I said, we were all, I don't want to say sleeping together because that sounds wrong, but we were, <laughs> I mean, there were people on sofas. There were people on floors. There were people, yeah. I mean, I, I, one night that I slept, I had a, um, I had a, air mattress and I couldn't find an extra pillow. So I just grabbed a sofa cushion and I used that as a pillow and you just make it work. And right. there was one night that most of us just sat around and talked until like three o'clock in the morning. And you don't get to do that on a lot of sets. So in that instance, we kind of became family. Yeah. We talked about, yeah. we talked surface and then you start getting comfortable and you start talking some deep stuff. And we got mm-hmm. into some really deep, meaningful conversations about stuff. Right. It was really cool. I mean, really neat. So that was the, definitely the best part. Yeah. Worst part is one of the people snored and talked in their sleep and screamed in their sleep and everything else in the world. So, you know, <laughs> name bag, drops? Bag had made no, sure that... <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no I'm only kidding. You don't have to name drop. <laughs> unleashed a little bit of extra hell on that person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to blame you, Mike Taylor. I'm looking at you, Mike Taylor. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I have to, I have yeah. to send him this now. Tell him I name dropped his ass. <laughs> so uh, obviously yeah, <laughs> you played baghead and i'm sure it's safe to say as we already mentioned baghead is the killer of the movie and when there's a killer of the movie there come stunts did you do your own stunts i'm assuming you did with it being indie an indie film but did you yeah do um i do fight i do fight choreography as well and okay. um Jasmine, who's in this film, um, she is Carlos's, I believe, fiance at the currently, presently, or I'm not yeah. sure if they're married or not, fiance. 
Um, she is a mixed martial artist and she mm -hmm. and Baghead go at it in the film. So nice. it was really neat working with her because she's an experienced fighter and I have about 15 years of various martial arts experience behind me as well. Nice. So it was very neat getting a, being able to um, formulate fights between the two of us. The hardest yeah. part is the fact that Baghead doesn't know how to fight. He's just basically yeah. a big dumb just killing people. So, <laughs> you know, he takes a lot of punches. He takes a lot of kicks. He doesn't block anything. He just absorbs it. Kind of um, like Jason. So too. that was, yeah, exactly. It was kind of, it was difficult to unlearn my, I mean, it was funny because in the, the first time she threw a, a, a punch to the head, I actually blocked it just out of natural instinct. And I was like, shoot, I can't do that. I have to just take it. So <laughs> yeah, we did our own stunts. We, uh, we had fun with that and she is, um, she's a badass. I'll give her props on that. She's a badass. We did some, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and um she was she was having me bang her around smack her around all sorts of crap and I was like are you sure and she was like I can take it come on let's do it I'm like okay nice. so she took it like a beast she gave me a few good bruises I got a picture on Instagram with a big old wealth that goes from about here to here um she did a few uh right roundhouse kicks nice. to the ribs she hit the same spot about 10 different times in a row and nice. uh about a week and a half later, I had to go to the doctor because I thought she cracked a rib, but it turns out she just tore a little muscle in between the ribs. And I was like, damn. <laughs> nice, nice. For art. <laughs> For art, man. Awesome. So, so what do you believe was the hardest or toughest stunt to do? I mean, with the skills that you have, I don't know if there probably is any. <laughs> um, the hardest part, honestly, I thought personally was making sure that everything was as safe as can be because mm -hmm. We use a variety of weapons in the film. Mm -hmm. um, some of them are, you know, standard prop weapons, mm -hmm. blast rubber knives, rubber cross uh, um, crowbars, looking mm -hmm. over because I have some of them on my shelf over here, <laughs> um, wrenches, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. One of the things we actually used in the film was a, a broken bottle. Um, so we had to be very careful because in the scene, I'm not sure if you see it in the trailer or not. I think you do. Um, Angel was it was um, working with the broken bottle, and we just had to be very careful because it was not a you know a breakaway prop bottle. Yeah. It was a real piece of glass. Okay. So there were a lot of different precautions we made sure we took care of to make sure that there was no way that the the broken bottle could break any further and hurt her. Um, mm. That was probably the, the just the most challenging part was to make sure. As for Baghead, you know, the most challenging part for me personally was the fact that the um, the, the bag that I wear kind of mm -hmm. shifted through some of the fighting. Okay. And uh, yeah, in one of the scenes, I'm getting my head bashed against the ground and okay. uh, I couldn't see the ground because the eye holes moved. Yeah. So I kind of, I took a few shots to the head against the back patio deck and, uh, mm -hmm. you know. It, it wakes yeah. you up. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of similar to what Steve Dash said when he was playing Friday the 13th Part 2, playing Jason Voorhees, where like the, the eye hole was kind of like flapping or whatever. And it was hard. It was like, you know, cutting, like, you know, burning his eye. And it's hard to see when you're running because, you know, with those yeah. eye holes, it's, it's not as easy yeah. as people make it seem to be like, oh, we just have two eye holes. You can just see it. No, when the bag is moving, it, no. like, it impairs your vision. Exactly. Yeah. There's no peripheral vision. I mean, I have two eye holes as baghead. He only had one. Mm -hmm. I mean, even with two eye, hole, eye holes, I had no peripheral vision whatsoever. There were some things that we were trying to do um, weapon manipulation wise, mm -hmm. um, which I can do 
very easily yeah. if I can see what's going on, you know, flipping yeah. crowbars around easily to manipulate right. the, the spiking side, the hooking side to yeah. make things more fun. Very easy yeah. if I can see what's going on. Right. As soon as you put the bag on, I was just dropping the thing. Couldn't do it. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so Definitely. obviously you're part of the indie film community. That's been established, you know, eight questions ago. <laughs> but a big part of funding of, <laughs> you know, being, a, you know, an indie filmmaker is funding, which nine times out of 10 is done through Indiegogo or another type of crowdfunding campaign. Um, so do you have any advice uh, to people that would like to donate and support crowdfunding campaigns, but like don't know where to start? Yeah, I mean, just um, if you're talking about the people that um, are looking to secure funds, mm -hmm. just listen, listen to what people want. Um, yeah. You know, there are certain things that, you know, me, I will guarantee any film that I'm in, I'm going to pick up, um, including like the DVDs, mm -hmm. signed posters. I have my posters here that I just need to hang on my office wall. Right. Um, props that I've used, especially that I've used in the film. Mm -hmm. I want those. And I don't have a problem paying premium for them because that's, right. you know, I look over at my bookshelf and I have mm -hmm. weapons and different things from different right. uh, movies that I've done. And so that's, it's, you know, props from Hollywood films are cool. You know, you can mm -hmm. buy those that are used in the films. Props that are in films that I'm in are even neater. Props mm -hmm. that I use in the films. Those are awesome. Those yeah. are my memories. So um, you know, if somebody's going to be in the film, offer any of it, all of it, who yeah. cares if you're not, even if you may, you know, I have, um, mm -hmm. I have the gun that I used, um, in Dr. Gift. Um, mm -hmm. I paid a pretty penny for it and I'm yeah. sure that able will you buy, have to buy another prop gun later, yeah. but I'm like, I don't mind because this is the gun I used. I carried it in the film. Yeah. So I want it. Absolutely. I know. I know with my first film, Samhain, um, I have almost I have almost every single prop in that closet right right there. Um, it all stashed away nicely. The only thing I don't have is the mask, the killer that's still in inventory with the 72 merch because we took that on set. Um, but 72, gotcha. we sold we sold a lot of our uh, a lot of our props and our weapons in that um, in the first Indiegogo. And uh, we're kind of regretting that because uh, we didn't realize how instrumental that was going to be for the scenes. And we're like, damn, we sold them. I mean, we made a pretty, yeah. you know, a pretty profit with it, but it, it sucks that, you know, we kind of uh, don't have them anymore because I mean, we still have them until we because, you know, until, you know, filming officially wraps and that. But one thing a lot of right. people need to know, and this is including 72 as well as other other projects that just because you see that the filming is complete don't think you're going to get your merchandise that you order right away. It could take up to two years after filming wraps to even get your merchandise. Don't think that the filmmaker is going to be shady and they're, not, they're, they're stiffing you. Communication is key. If they're a legitimate filmmaker, reach out to them and they will tell you what the update is. That's just, that's just, you know, communication goes a long way. Um, but they, they people Definitely. don't want to, yeah, and filmmakers, including myself, we don't want to send out all the props, especially the, the weapons we use, until editing is completely done and the film is released. Because if we send it out, now that person has it. And what happens if we have to do a reshoot? That's all post-production exactly. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, and that's yeah. a valid point. Um, Baghead's costume, what, bag, what I wore is Baghead sitting on my shelf. And mm -hmm. they, they, needed, uh, some, they needed the head, the, the bag. Mm -hmm. um to shoot some additional scenes uh some pickup mm -hmm. scenes so i mailed it out to them and just as a courtesy i put a self-addressed envelope prepaid back to me so that they wouldn't have to worry about it and i'm like you know when you guys are done filming whatever just shoot it back to me i'll put it back on my shelf in case you need it again i'll shoot it back out to you no big deal 
but I'm like, you know, you keep all the stuff because yeah, you're right. You know, yeah. the, if it's different you know, for someone like myself, that's in it. That's part of the film. They're going to be like, okay, yeah, just, I'll mail it back to you. Just mail it back to me when you're done. That's right. cool. If you're someone that's just contributing to the film, they may yeah. be like, are you going to give it back to me? Because I bought it and it's all, exactly. you know, I own it, but I, I, are you going to send it back? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that, I mean, obviously, like you said, uh, an ethical uh, filmmaker is going to, but it's also a tough sell to somebody to say, hey, I know you have that proper, you have that costume or you have that whatever. Can you yeah. do us a favor and send it back and we'll send it back to you again? Yep. So absolutely. Yeah, if, absolutely. It's and, just part, part yeah. of the. Yeah. And like, yeah, like if you if you're going to use a weapon and uh, and you send it to an Indiegogo backer, like chances are you're not you might not get that back. Because you don't know who, who right. the person is that got it. They they or they bought it fair and square. And I mean, we bought the bat for like 20 bucks. And I'm like, we could buy another bat if we want, but it doesn't have the same memento. It doesn't have like the blood on it or the pro- or whatever is on it. You know, like that you can't that you, it won't have the same thing. You know what I mean? So it's like I could buy a new one, but it's not the same one used on screen. <laughs> but yep. I mean, True. yeah. And th- these are things that, you know, that, um you know, a lot of people really like to have. And, you know, indie films is, is becoming a pretty big, you know, it's becoming like Hollywood to an extent minus the big million dollar budgets. Right. Like, and that's actually not a bad thing because if you look yeah. at some, you know, the, the quality of the indie films has gotten amazingly better yeah. as the, I think as more people pay attention to it, yeah. more people, better and better skills are getting involved yes. in it. So that gap or that chasm that existed is getting narrower and narrower. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, obviously you're going to have the Hollywood's got the bottomless budget of talent and bottomless budget of special effects and, you know, can literally do anything without question. So there will always be a gap between the two, but that gap is getting smaller and smaller. And it's great to see because um, it's really fun now that I'm doing this uh, and I've been doing it for, you know, a year and a half so far um, to actually, Instead of saying, let's go see a Hollywood film, it's let's go see some of the films that are the lower budget, that are the yeah. indie films. And yeah. even let's go see some of the films that some of the people I've worked with have been in and just see it. It's, yeah. it's kind of neat. We have yeah. watched a couple of them about a week or two ago. It's just neat to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, and it's so funny. I mean, Rosebloods come out and Texas AF has come out. That's another one I'm in. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching them on my TV at home <laughs> and it's just weird. And so I'm sitting there with my girlfriend and, and we're watching it. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I come on the screen, she's like, look, look, it's you, it's you, it's you. And I'm like, yeah, I know, honey. I know that's my scene. Yes, I know, honey. <laughs> but she's so excited, <laughs> but it's so weird. Yeah. But it's different when you're watching a film that somebody I've worked with is in the film. Cause then I feel, I, I, I now understand where she's coming from because yeah. you know, that person's on the screen. I'm like, Oh my God, that's so-and-so. This is so cool. Yeah. So yeah, it's neat. It, yeah, it, it really is. And, um, yeah, and the thing with indie films is that you, they're not they're not behind a producer. There are producers, but they're not behind a Hollywood you know company where it's like, well, this has to be done. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's our company, and it's our like. This is like the people that are directing and writing it are most likely it's their movie to begin with. So they have they have all the creative freedom that they want. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that that's that that to me is is really important you don't you have the creative freedom to make any changes you want or make any updates or you know do what you want to do and if you can't do it this way then let's try it that way yeah yeah so the last question i got and the other for you, thing that's really go ahead. Yeah. No, i was go gonna ahead. say the other thing that's really neat about it is 
when you get to when you get to the, to collaborate on that, mm-hmm. collaborate on stuff like that. I mean, think about it. If you are in a Hollywood production, mm-hmm. the the bottomless budget is going to be able to hire a team of uh, fight choreographers that are going to mm-hmm. dictate to you how a fight should look. Yes. When I go to a, I've been on three so far where I've actually been able to design the fight based on the persons, the people that are fighting, their their size, mm-hmm. their their roles, ability, and uh, just mm-hmm. what should you know what the producer wants in terms of a fight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we're when I was collaborating with Jasmine on the House of Eats Flesh fight, it was neat because it wasn't some outsider coming in saying, "Okay, I've I've planned this out and this is what you're going to do." It was she and I and Carlos working with the angles of the, you know, he was getting the angles of the film. We need, to, we need this angle. Yeah. So this looks like it hit and we need this angle. So it looks like you're, you know, putting her to the ground and those kind of things. Yeah. And it, it, it's collaboration more than dictation, I guess is what I'm yes. trying to say. And that's what absolutely you feel like you feel like you have an investment in the film because your voice is heard. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. And that's the best part about indie film. Whereas Hollywood is like, it's, you know, it's our company. We hire these pros to do this and they're going to dictate to you what needs to be done and how it needs to be done. Yeah, I completely agree. So the last question I got for you, do you have any other projects in the works that you would like to promote to the listening and the viewing audience? Oh, okay. So, um, I'm about to head up to um, Alabama to film a short scene in a movie called Grace by Night. Yeah. I'll be doing a scene with um, Antonio Sabato Jr., which I'm pretty stoked about. Nice. Um, I can't give away anything about the scene because IMDb says we're keeping it under wraps. But if you were to do a Google search on Grace by Night trailer, you'll actually see not so much a trailer, but what the movie is kind of about. I don't okay. want to give it away. But if you want to look for it, it's there. Okay. Um, we do have some pickup scenes on the naughty list we're doing, which is a uh, Santa Claus uh, slasher type film. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think, rolling down my head here. We have. Um, I'm actually going to be doing something cool for a movie called Live Life, uh, Live Laugh Die. Okay. Um, I, it's. I'm going to be a police dispatcher. It's a small role, but I can do it from my house, and I, I like nice. that. That's kind of neat. I nice. don't have to travel somewhere. I can basically just. I'm going to be doing dispatch through the phone picking it up through the CB of the police officer car. And they were like, there's no reason for you to come out because it's going to be all auditory. Go for it. You can do it at home. So that's kind of neat. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Christopher Catrost, I believe is going to be the uh, director of that. And I have him scheduled for slasher Scotty as well. So definitely stay tuned for that as well. To talk a little bit of live, laugh, die. Yeah, definitely will. Yeah. Um, we got depravity coming up fall where I'm going to be a police nice. officer or sheriff. Um, I talked to Abel. He's got a new movie coming out called chick, chick, boom. He wants him to be a part of. So that's nice. kind of cool. Um, and I think there's a couple more in the discussion phase, but I haven't gotten confirmation on them. So I can't give them away yet. Sounds like a plan. Well, I know you have IMDb. So if anybody uh, wants to see those other movies, if they uh, come on to Sean's plate or anything else he has going on, check out his IMDb page. And uh, I'm sure that'll be updated once it's uh, confirmed. But I thank you so much, Sean, for joining me this evening. I appreciate you having me on, brother. You take care now. Yep, you do the same. Have a nice night. Bye. Take care.